Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. You're fantastic at coding, but do you have an action plan to take it to the next level? The upcoming book, Next Level Freelance, will help you optimize your freelance business for happiness. The book is packed with actionable steps to make more money, case studies, tips to find more clients, and exercises for you to establish your desired lifestyle. Extras include nine interviews with freelancers who make great money while enjoying great work-life balance, videos on strategies to find quality subcontractors, and videos on making more free time by outsourcing your daily tasks. Check it out today, nextlevelfreelance.com. This episode is sponsored by PlanScope. PlanScope is a project management and collaboration app built for freelancers and the way they work with clients. It makes it easy to price out new estimates and once you're underway, help answer the question, will this get done on time and under budget? I've been using PlanScope to do my estimates and manage my projects, and I really, really like it. It makes it really easy to keep things in order and understand when things will get done. You can go check it out at planscope.io. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 89 of The Freelancer Show. This week on our panel, we have Reuven Lerner. Hi, everyone. Curtis McHale. G'day. Eric Davis. Hi. Jim Gay. Hello. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv, and this week we have a special guest, and that's Eric J. Fisher. He's the host of the Beyond the To-Do List podcast. Of course, I've been listening to him for several years. He used to do a podcast called Social Media Serenity with Cliff Ravenscraft. And he's the social media awesome boss guy over at uh, Indiana Wesleyan University. Hey, glad to be here. Did I get all the important points in there? Yeah, you did. I left out Handsome Devil. I guess I guess I could throw that eh, in. That's, that's in the details. All right. So you do a show that's focused mostly around productivity? Yeah, I mean it's productivity's the the Trojan horse, I guess. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's mostly to talk to cool people about how they get awesome work done, but you know, I once I realized, oh, you know what? There's this whole productivity market out there that I've paid attention to for a long time and I thought, yeah, you know what? I bet I could say that it's somewhat like productivity and then when the when the idea of the name beyond the to-do list hit me it was like yeah that's it it's got to-do list in the name yeah i hate to-do lists though <laughs> well you can go beyond them ah got it <laughs> so <laughs> he, he's got that snappy answer ready i guess yeah, i do <laughs> so uh it's kind of interesting. One thing that I, I struggle with a little bit, and this is kind of uh, in the wheelhouse that you deal with, is uh, you know doing all of the right things and managing my processes, both in social media and just in general with my marketing. Are, are there specific tips or tricks that you use that make a big difference for you? You mean in terms of like spending time online versus yeah, and on the right creating things. content or uh, marketing it as well, and all of the above? Yeah, all of the above. Okay. One tip is honestly set aside time and create stuff that is awesome and then automate to a certain extent. Now, I, I don't say that lightly. I, I know that there's, you know, people out there like, oh, gotta, but you gotta be there, be part of the conversation on social media and all that. And I'm like, yeah, but there are certain things you can automate. You can, you know, because not everybody, if you tweet once and say, hey, new episode of the podcast is out, are going to see it. So you, you know, you tweet it out and, and schedule it out to be tweeted in different ways, in different phrasing, so that if other people see it, they, you know, aren't ticked off by it. One of the cool things I do is I grab quotes from the people that speak or that people have spoken in my shows and, and I'll use those as the tweets to, you know, buffer out. I use Buffer app 
And so that's part of it. Uh, the other part is, is just knowing where your margins are, knowing, you know, if you can book it at a certain time of day and just knock a ton of stuff out and have focus then, then that's when you do it. And if you haven't figured out when that is yet, then you kind of need to pay attention to, you know, what's your daily rhythm like? Are you, is 2.30 the time of day where you always go reach for a new cup of coffee and feel like you need a nap? Then that's not the time to do it, you know? So, and it's figuring out if some stuff is possible to, you know, batch process and you can knock, you know, a week or two's worth of content or more out all at once or, if you need to take, you know, a half day out of the office or, you know, depending upon context and job and all that kind of stuff. So it, it this is all very circumstantial, but the, I mean, those are all, everything I just mentioned are things that I do to make it work for me for sure. So if you want to get more specific, you'll have to ask more questions. <laughs> right. I, I guess I'm going to go down the, the rabbit hole of social media first. I, I really enjoyed both of those shows and I want to kind of get your expertise on both, but if we keep trying to ask questions about both, I don't think we're going to get very far. So we had Leslie Samuel on last week and we talked about blogging. So let's say that I have the blog, I have the, you know, I, I have my content out there. Maybe it's a podcast, who knows? You mentioned Buffer app, but, uh, you know, what is your process for getting the word out about that stuff? Well, yeah, that's a, specifically that's it. I mean, and I think Leslie, I, and I know Leslie, he's an awesome guy. Uh, he and I actually spoke together on a panel at Blog World back in 2012 in June. And uh, honestly, I think it, it depends on what the content is. If, it, if a blog is daily, then you know, you know what? You're going to have to come out with, depending upon if it's five days or seven days a week, you're going to have to write a bunch of that stuff well in advance and have it scheduled. And so part of that is, you, you know, if you're using the primary blogging platform that's out there, WordPress, luckily you can schedule posts to post on their own and schedule them in WordPress. The thing is, is then at that point, you're kind of stuck with either using a, a native plugin from WordPress to, to automatically tweet out or Facebook post out or, or things like that. Or uh, something that I've really gotten into lately and, and dug a lot into is this if this then that. That's I F T T T. Is that right? There are three T's. I don't know. Anyway, it's either two or three T's and you go there and there's all these recipes and you can say, if I did this thing, then go and do this thing. And so, for example, there's one where it's like, if I tweet or if I post to uh, Instagram, but don't share it out, then it will, or if I, the, the sharing part, not, not necessary. If I post to Instagram, since Instagram doesn't share nice with, uh, and the images don't share, show up in Twitter's timeline anymore. If this, then that can take that and, send out the link to the image as a Twitter pick. And so then people can actually see the image. And so it's kind of an automated process. There's a lot of different things. So you could say, okay, if, if this RSS feed is updated, then take this, whatever the post title is, and then a link to it, and then via or something, you know, something along the lines or add this hashtag or whatever. Like you can bake in all that stuff and it'll, so as soon as you've posted something, it'll tweet it for you or even throw it in buffer so that you don't have it come out right away. So it's maybe, you know, delayed or added to the buffer at some point. So there's different things like that in terms of that. So that's some automation. Uh, let's see, what else? If you create a weekly podcast like I do, so for example, I have an episode right now that's ready to go out. And as soon as that does, I'm going to, one, tweet about it, 
Two, go over to Facebook and post about it manually to get the best edge rank and most visibility. And then probably at some point later, go to Google Plus and post it there for the heck of it. And then I will schedule some different tweets, like another one that's a variation of, hey, new episode, another one or two that are, hey, uh, quotes that are quotes from the, the guest. And then leave it at that. So that it's, you know, fresh out of the gate. It's got a couple of different times so that people see something new is out there. Meanwhile, in terms of a weekly podcast, if you're doing weekly content, I tend to try to batch process a bunch of interviews all at once. So if I can, if I've got the stuff set up, then I'll try to schedule like three, four or more interviews all at once so that I'm in interview mode. People can... Uh, that I'm used to the asking questions and, and, you know, I've got my, you know, game face on and all that kind of stuff. I'm ready. I'm in the game. I'm ready to, to talk to them. And once I've got those, then I can sit down and hopefully, you know, I'm, I'm an early riser most of the time. And so once I've got those, I can sit back and, you know, get up early, listen through it, grab my quotes, get my show notes, trim here and there, have the interview complete and ready to then have my in and out portion of the show recorded by myself at a later time. And then, uh, again, what I'll do then is then once I've got three, four, five of those, I'll sit down and record the in and out for all of those and then just piece them together. And then it's a matter of, you know, upload them all, create the show notes, and then schedule them, and then they're ready to go. So then I don't have to worry about it. I set it and forget it, so to speak. So I hope that helps. (laughs) Yeah, it does. The other thing that uh, I know some of us are dealing with is with things like uh, writing books or other products that, you know, are kind of a one-off thing and, and getting the word out about that. And, uh, you know, since you spend so much time on social media, I mean, how do you how do, how do you tweet about it without people getting tired of hearing about it? Because I've been tempted, you yeah. know, to go out and say, hey, go check out my class or, you know, go, go check out the ebook I'm writing or whatever. And... You know, I don't want to just tweet that over and over again because people get tired of it. Part of what you do is you get people that are your friends on the internet to share it for you if you can. That's something that I mean, we had a, a when, when I guess one of the things you didn't mention in the in the intro is my book that I co-wrote and uh, oh, I forgot about and, that. And no offense that you know taken, but uh, when we worked on that, when we when we pushed that out, we actually had a group of about fifty plus people who were our close, like-knit friends that we knew would read it, would go through and critique it, would give it back and then make it better. We could make it better. But then uh, the the bonus is, is they get that book early and for free. And in exchange for, you know, if they really like it, that I mean, we didn't require this. We We said, hey, for an honest review, we'll give you a free copy. And so we got a bunch of really good, you know, honest, well-written reviews, but a number of those people were friends of either Jim or I or both of us, and they wanted to see it succeed. So they just, you know, they would go share it themselves. They would say, hey, check out this great book by, you know, Eric and Jim and all this stuff. And so that helps. So I think as time goes on and you get better and you get more of a, a following and a tribe, like they naturally share your stuff anyway, whether it's via retweeting you yourself when you've tweeted about it or shared it. Or if they just found it, like, I mean, I, there was somebody two, three, no, two, two, at least two times today 
because I just did this super, you know, giant 50th episode with a bunch of different guests to all talking tools. And I had two different people today just tweet out and say, Hey, you really must listen, you know, listen to this new episode by Eric J. Fisher. And then they give the link to it. And so that's not me sharing it. That's them. And so it's not something that's, yeah, obviously, I get what you're saying. Like, it's, it can be overkill to be like, hey, go check this out. Hey, go check this out. Hey, go check this out. And so if you have to do that, at least sprinkle it in to where you're, you're, you're sharing interested th- interesting things by other people more often than you're promoting your own stuff. But then when you do promote your own stuff, at least vary it up and use maybe quotes from the book or if it's a class like – you know, a quote that's a testimonial from somebody or different things like that. Think about how you can keep pointing to the same place, but vary the the method or the delivery. That makes sense. So, yeah. I mean, that's what I've had to do. So one other thing that I've been wondering for a while after listening to a few of your Beyond the To-Do List podcasts is what does your system for managing the stuff that you've got to get done look like? Well, I mean, it is very simple and laid back. Like I actually, I've gone through a season of really pairing back the tools that I use so that I could decide, you know, instead of focusing on what tools do I need, do I use, I've focused on what needs do I have? Do I, and so it's very much a, okay, I need, obviously I need some way to, to manage my calendar where the commitments and things that, and expectations of where and when I need to be, because that's just a, a, a hard landscape. But then also it's, okay, what projects are at work? What projects are with the podcast? And to have, and so I've actually split out different task management systems. Like there's one called OmniFocus. There's one called Nosby. There's uh, one called Clear. And I'm actually using those, all three of those for different things. Mostly because, for example, Nosby is one that's cross-platform. Actually, I think most of those are cross-platform. So, for example, one of them will be one where my wife has access to it, and she'll throw stuff on there, and that's you know home and uh, family stuff, and also access to Google Calendar. Work stuff all stays in OmniFocus, and then the clear is what I use for the podcast and personal branding type stuff. And so by having those all in different places... One, some people would say, oh man, that's, that's crazy talk. How could you do that? But for me, it's like, I wouldn't want to see all the stuff all in one place or I'd go crazy feeling overwhelmed. But at least if I know, okay, I've got a place where, okay, it's work mode, do work. Or it's, hey, it's home mode or it's family mode. That's where that is. And, and, it, and what's great is, you know, you can check it all on your phone or your laptop or your tablet or whatever, but, I kind of, depending upon what it is I'm doing, I'll, I'll have certain things on certain devices only. And then that way I don't, you know, mess with them too much. So, I mean, that's, that's basically the system. I mean, it's, it's try, I've tried to, I've scaled back and then started to add stuff back in. So. Yeah, that makes sense. I think, I think the issue that I've had with a lot of these systems and tools is that like I try to put everything in OmniFocus and then, yeah, it's kind of overwhelming because it's like, well, I'm not really in the the place where I care about some of this stuff right now. So, yeah, it it's almost a paralyzing fear of okay, there's so much to do, where do I start? And by not knowing, you kind of do nothing. But at least if you say, okay, I feel like I haven't done anything with say the podcast in a while. So I just open that app only and then none of my home stuff and none of my work stuff are in there. Uh-huh. So, and 
Why did you go with the different apps over top of OmniFocus contexts, right? And you could set a context for your podcast and then only see the podcast entries when you're looking in OmniFocus. Because I get distracted easy. And so I didn't want to have the ability to like click and say, oh, crap, all, there's all this podcast stuff or, oh, there's all this home stuff. And I, and then suddenly feel like waves of guilt or, you know, get, or spend time on them suddenly go down a rat hole and be like, okay, finally, I made, even if I'm productive and I do it, you know, knock some stuff off some of those other contexts or lists at, you know, oh, yay, at least I was productive. But the problem for me is, is I have an issue, you know, confession. I have an issue where I'll do stuff, but it's the wrong stuff. And then the right stuff didn't get done. And that's what stinks. So I, I try to separate them out. I mean, some people are like, no, you should have a life where, you know, your work and your play, you can't distinguish between the two. And I'm like, that's great. But if I don't compartmentalize to a certain extent, then I can't focus. And that, and, and that's personally, that's just me. Other people may not be that way, but there are definitely other people like me. I know that. So, yeah, I can I can kind of see splitting it up to to the effect of I found that in OmniFocus, and this may have changed, but uh, I I can't just share one context with certain people. So I can't share certain contexts with my virtual assistant. I can't share other contexts with my my wife. It's kind of an all or nothing deal. So you know, I I don't necessarily want to you know, have my wife in there, you know, worrying over all of the other stuff I have going on. And I don't want my virtual assistant to have to know, you know, what my honeydew list is. So, Yeah, exactly. Like my wife doesn't care about all my work stuff or even my podcast stuff. So why keep it in a place where she can do stuff with that? Yeah. So you work at a big university. Um, have you talked to any freelancers or, you know, solopreneurs? And, uh, you know, what, what kind of, what kind of things do they do differently than, than you do in your job? I think the biggest thing, the biggest difference is with, with solopreneurs and, and freelancers and, you know, entrepreneurs, they're all quote unquote their own boss. Whereas me, I'm not my boss. My, my schedule is very much dictated by, What's the expectation others have of me and my position? And the thing is, is that at first that seems like a big shift or a big, uh, a big difference. However, if you are your own boss, uh, in terms of freelancers and entrepreneurs, if you're your own boss, I mean, it all comes down to relationships, basically. If you're your own boss and what the relationship is with yourself. And that's kind of the weirdest part. Like that's one of those weird things that is like, could I ever be, I ask myself this, I'm like, could I ever be an entrepreneur really like where I'm, I'm my own boss? Because sometimes I don't like myself very much, you know? And so I'd have a hard time, I'd have a hard time working for this jerk of a boss who, you know, is me. So I think that's the biggest thing is just thinking in terms of no, you know, having time set aside to, you know, have like a communication meeting with yourself. Like if you're your own boss, I mean, you, if you sit down on a regular basis and have a, uh, you know, check in time with a quote unquote real boss at a place where you work, that's great. I, I, you know, sometimes not having that is the, is the difference between success and failure. But are you really doing that in terms of meeting with yourself? And deciding, you know, oh, you know what? I wasn't even aware. Like, it's almost self-discovery in a sense or self-improvement or all these other 
you know, whatever. But I firmly believe in it. Like uh, journaling is a great thing to do daily for me, and that w- that way the the thoughts and emotions and things that uh, I know it's touching t- a little bit sounds a little touchy feely, but you then discover, oh, you know what? I wasn't even thinking about the need for this one product that I think I would really like. And I guess that's a problem I have. I bet others would enjoy me creating that and selling it to them. You know, that's one of the, you know, random things that comes out from that. But yeah, it it, it definitely is this whole difference between are you aware what the expectations of yourself are, no matter where they're coming from. Yeah, that's one thing that's hard for me sometimes is just to figure out, you know, what why am I unhappy with what I've gotten done or not gotten done, you know, and and figuring out that yeah, my expectations for myself weren't clear. And and I know we we all hate it when our clients do that to us, but sometimes right. we do it to ourselves. I mean, think right. about it. That's that's one of those things where if if I'm at a job where I have an actual a literal boss, and I'm not, I'm unclear about what my, what I'm supposed to be doing or what the expectations are of me, then I'm not going to perform well. Well, translate that over then into the boss is you and you are the worker, quote unquote worker as well. How do you bridge that gap between knowing what you're supposed to do? Because it's all in your head and you have to talk to yourself to do it. I think the other thing lots of people do is they put way too many things on their list for each kind of each time block, right? Because they only assume they're going to do the best the fastest thing and nothing will go wrong. Yeah, we overestimate our productivity all the time. <laughs> I'm really good at that. And then I'm really good at being upset when I don't get stuff done. Yep. Right. <laughs> right, exactly. I, I can't tell you how many years I've had a to-do list and I, you know, every day I'm like, well, I should do this and this and this and this and this. And realistically, I'll get maybe half of those things done. But if I don't put down all the things I feel I'm going to do, then I feel like, oh, well, you know, I, I, have, I have so much to do today and I have to get to all this. It's all urgent. But clearly the world does not stand still because I did not get to everything. Yeah. The other issue that I I have is that, uh, you know, I'll I'll put together a to-do list and I'll pay close attention to it for like three days. And then I'll come back to it after a few months and I'm like, well, none of this stuff really applies anymore. And I'm doing these other things and, you know, just being able to check in with myself and just see where things are and okay you know this is the stuff that's really important and i'm gonna let this thing drop and being really deliberate about it you know it 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 makes a difference when i'm good at it well the point is if you're following gtd methods which i do is the review is an important part and that's one of the biggest things that i have found help my productivity overall is doing that friday review all the time and not missing it because then i feel like I still have a handle on everything that's going on or I've just killed projects because I'm not going to do them as opposed to letting my list get monstrously huge because I never looked at it and just kept adding to it. Yeah. Yeah, the review, I think that's kind of where I operate out of is, you know, if things get crazy, that's fine. But if I can at least check back in and do the review, then at least I can, you know, do a hit reset for the next week. Yep, absolutely. And again, when I'm good at it, it works out great. And when I don't, then I feel like everything's out of control. I know for myself, I noticed like a, what is it? Like a five or 10% drop in billable hours and weeks when I haven't done the review on the Friday before, because I'm just not sure what's going on. It's so spending my 20 minutes or half hour reviewing is worth it financially for my business every time. Yep. That right there is a very compelling argument. I was just saying in the back channel that, Oh yeah, I really should do the weekly review. I said I was going to do it. And um, it's always a matter of trying to find time for it and trying to justify that time. 
But I think, Curtis, you're saying that it more than makes up for itself in billings and business productivity, then that's right there a great reason to do it. Well, yeah, because you have a direction for the rest of the week or next week. And right. you come see my issue too is that I Mondays are usually a, a loss for me because, well, this Monday I had a doctor's appointment, so that kind of blew it all up. But a lot of times I'll come in and I'm not really sure what to do. Or even if I know I'm going to sit down and work on client work, you know, just getting into the groove and knowing exactly what, you know, I want to bill so many hours, I want to get these tasks done. You know, if if I don't have that figured out, then it, it really hurts. Yeah, one part of my Friday and the end of every day is decide my first important task for the next day. So on Friday, I can tell you what I'm going to do Monday is my first task. That way I don't come in and say, what's all this stuff in front of me? I just say, this is what I need to do first. And getting that ball rolling at the beginning of the day is so useful for you all the time. Mm-hmm. I've been trying to do that actually the night before when I'm like brain dead and like, okay, I have to close out some stuff. I'll write down like I do the Parmodoro technique. So I write down like, you know, four or five different things that I want to do tomorrow. And so when I come in kind of half asleep or whatever, I just can just start working. I don't have to, you know, use a lot of the mental processing to review and think about what I'm doing. Yeah. One other thing that makes a difference for me, and this is going to go back to one of the points that Eric made. And that is that, you know, finding that time where you really can just get stuff done, the insanity of it all. I hate getting up early in the morning, but five to 7 AM. Oh my gosh. I get so much more done when I actually drag myself out of bed and come in here and uh, work on something uh, as opposed to throughout the rest of the day. And I know some of it's because there are distractions around and some of it's just because, I don't know, I know that I can go out and do other things because, you know, people are up and at it. But, uh, you know, five, five to seven in the morning is just, it just seems to be that time. And if I make it out of bed then, then the rest of the day seems more productive. Yeah, I, I found that, uh, and I don't know who, if the, where the research is to support it, but there's about four, about on average, about four highly productive hours that a person can really put in in a day. And the rest is really just kind of busy work or, you know, passive work. And so I try to, even in a certain sense, try to do almost the weekly review in small bites at times where, Maybe my energy is a little bit low. And so I don't want to do work, but I can, you know, kind of, if I, you know, talk myself into, oh, you know what? I can sit back and relax with a coffee and just kind of hold the iPad and pretend and it feels like I'm consuming and just relaxing, but really I'm pushing stuff around into the boxes and places it needs to go so that I've done some of the, the weekly review in that way as well. Yeah, that's kind of interesting, too. It also helps sometimes if I, like uh, the other Eric was saying, um, if I make a list of the things I want to get done tomorrow at the end of the day. and so then Yeah, I have closing out the day yeah. for, for the preparing of the next day is, is pretty key as well. Yeah, but I really like the getting things done approach of, you know, just uh, knowing some of the things that you need to do and, and being able to evaluate what's important. Our mutual fl- friend, Cliff Ravenscraft, he's actually... Uh, I talked to him yesterday. I'm in the podcast mastermind and he, he mentioned that he only focuses on like three things. So he'll uh, have three things that he's working on. And if it's not in that list, then it, you know, it just doesn't make the, doesn't make it into the day. Yeah. For me, that's the same thing. Like I've got basically two things that I've worked on today of the three and I still have time to do the third one. And so 
that's yeah by by not having like millions of things to do by uh well that's not to say there's not millions of things to do it's more about you know pr- and again here's where it goes back to talking with your boss whether that's a literal person or it's yourself and staying on track and knowing what is the thing that needs to be done now versus some other time and by knowing those things then you're more able to say okay well then that means that today and tomorrow and maybe this week like here's what the the landscape looks like and i know that you know me sitting and working on this other thing that though it might be what suddenly i get distracted and and work on and it's good and right to do that work it's not the right thing now it would have been better for me to have done it the following week because it was you know not as pressing or you know fill in the blank of why it's the wrong thing there's and the other thing is more important but again that's what it kind of takes is being aware. Yep, absolutely. So speaking of being aware, we, we've talked about some of these things, but uh, how do you measure whether or not something is increasing your productivity or, or making you better off? <laughs> so a, a lot of the time, it's honestly, do you feel productive? Do you feel like you can look back and say, oh, look, I've done that. I've gotten this done. I don't feel super stressed. I feel like I'm on track. You know, A lot of the times it really is just do, do you feel emotionally or, or do you think, you know, head knowledge-wise, that you've been productive. And uh, that's really where it comes down to. A lot of the time that's where it comes down to for me. And, and it's actually a pretty good gauge to a certain extent. If you're feeling stressed, if you're feeling overwhelmed, then it means you probably have skipped some reviews or you've probably not prioritized or let things just sit and pile up for a while. Yeah. But I, I mean, if you want to, if you want to go past that, I think, you know, look and see if people are enjoying the things that you do. If you, if people are giving you feedback saying, Hey, great work on this or I really enjoyed this, then you know, if you're consistently getting that, then that's good too. Not that we do it for the praise. We do it for the, I guess some, we do it for the praise too, but we do it for the fulfillment of doing good work and knowing we did good work. And I think that's also key is can you look back and say, Oh, you know what? I've done these things and it's good and I am proud of myself, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. One, one other thing that I've done is I've actually gotten one of those little uh, whiteboards at uh, Walmart. And it's got magnetic things on the back, so I can actually stick it to stuff around my office. And I'll write down the two or three things that I need to get done today on it. And then, you know, then I get the, I don't know why I get such immense satisfaction, but, you know, just checking that stuff off. It's just mm-hmm. like, woohoo, I'm done, you know? Yeah, it, it's, you've done a good thing, and it was the thing you were supposed to do. And so, yeah, I, I, I'm a firm believer in a, a literal, written short to-do list that's kind of your focus items for the day and being able to, you know, really with a pen and a pad, just cross it out. Mm-hmm. Feels so good. <laughs> so how much of this stuff and do you have any other tips for, I mean, the reason I hate to-do lists is that I'll make out the to-do list and it's like everything that I ever wanted to do. And so by the time I'm done with the to-do list, I'm completely and totally overwhelmed. So how do you deal with it? How do you cope with that? I mean, we've, we've talked about some strategies for that, but I mean, overall, how do, how do you get to the point where you're not looking at the list of the gazillion things you want to do and going, I'm never going to get this done. I'm never going to get through this. Uh, uh, Well, one thing that I do is capture everything, but then put it where it's supposed to go. And what that means is 
basically like do you have a Mac? Yes. Okay. You know how you can have a folder that's got a ton of other little folders in it and mm-hmm. I mean you could have a million you could have you know a hundred different files in one folder but then you can also have all these other folders and if you go through and you know say it's your downloads folder and you downloaded a whole bunch of different MP3s well you can throw all those MP3s into one folder and then suddenly the whole folder feels a lot less cluttered and and basically take that and apply that to the rest of the stray files and folders but it's stray tasks that really belong in projects and then projects that say Oh, you know what? That'd be great to do that, you know, you know, back deck thing and all the list of tasks that would take to, you know, have that be a completed project. However, it's not time for that. So it goes in a folder called, you know, next year or someday maybe or different things like that. And it's knowing that one, it's okay to have that thought, but then to put it somewhere where you don't have to do it right now. It, it's the good kind of procrastination where you, put it off because it's not the thing to do right now. And so then suddenly you're, you're throwing all these things in the right place to where you look in that original top-level folder of the to-do list and only the stuff that belongs on there is on there. Like So, for example, to go back to your whiteboard thing, you're not writing, you know, of the three things that maybe you wrote on there, you're not writing all the minuscule tasks that make up that one thing. You're just writing that one thing. You see what I'm saying? Like you're basically writing the project on there instead. Mm -hmm. So look at it that way as your to-do list is more thematic than task and project oriented. And then that, you know, I mean, you know that, you know, whatever that top level thing is, whether it's, uh, give give me an example. Give me one thing of something that I want to do. Yeah, get, write. Give me one of the things you would you would write down on your whiteboard. I've got this. Take app. over the world. There yeah. you go. No. <laughs> so yeah. uh, you're familiar with WordPress, and it's uh-huh. got the five minute install thing. Most open source Ruby on Rails apps don't have that, so you actually have to go in and set it up from the command line. And I think it would be really nice for Ruby on Rails apps if they hit some kind of a problem related to configuration to actually just bring up a wizard and let you set it up. So I've been thinking I'd like to make a plugin that does that. But that's great. I, yeah. I haven't had time to get around to even starting it. So. And so I think one of the things that you could do, say, on a brainstorming session, is just to write down, well, to have that be in existence, it's going to take this, 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 and this. And, you know, you have your project list. In other words, you hit the little arrow next to the folder. If you understand the geek speak here mm-hmm. as the listener, you hit the arrow and in that inside that folder of build that WordPress installing Ruby on Rails thing, it, you, it folds down and suddenly you see all the contents of the folder. Like, uh, let's see, what are some of the examples of things like the, the coding and, you know, the making sure it works and, and all the different pieces. If you're going to sell it, how would you sell it? All those different pieces are inside that folder. But when you hit the arrow, it either opens or closes it and folds it open or down so you can see what's in there. And what I'm saying is, is if you've done the homework, if you've done the thinking and you've got all your tools ready and you're ready to go, and that's the thing, if you're going to, if on your whiteboard it says, you know, build it or make, make this thing, then you're not writing all the contents of the folder or the to-do list, the project list on that whiteboard. You're just writing the one thing and you know, that's the thing I'm doing today. Uh-huh. 
and whether you've got one or two other things that are smaller or whatever that you can also, again, don't overestimate how productive you're really going to be. If it's that one thing all day, it's cool if you wrote that one thing and did that whole thing in one day and then crossed that out or erased it. How much better would you feel if you just got that one thing done versus, you know, you know, did it halfway three things and none of them were done. So. Right. And, and I like the idea too of having that, that list of, the someday maybe, and you know it. That is mentioned in uh, getting things done, and several other productivity folks mentioned it as well. And so you can kind of just get it off your mind by you know putting it in the list and realizing that you're going to get to it when it's a priority. Yeah, definitely. So I mean that that's that's what I'm. That's the way I approach it. Is I don't necessarily do a to do list of you know here's all the little tasks I have to do today because that can feel very overwhelming. But if I have one list that's all the tasks for a one project and I'm crossing those off, mm-hmm. I feel better doing that and then going back to the big list and saying, okay, boom, that, that one is completely done. It's now these other two things. And one of them is two tasks and it's that project's done and the other is like literally a single task thing. So, but just knowing that and planning ahead for it time wise and energy wise even. Yeah, that makes sense. So I, I mean, I used to hate to do lists. Too, but then once I figured out, oh, you know what? If I manipulate it to where psychologically it feels like I'm less overwhelmed by them, then I can actually start crossing stuff off. Uh-huh. Related to social media, I'm really curious. A lot of the community that I I kind of cater to is is programmers, and uh, I don't really see them doing much on Facebook, but. I keep hearing from a lot of the social media and marketing people out there that you you have to be on Facebook and you know you're really missing an opportunity to be on Facebook. And so I'm I'm really curious if, you know, I I see a few groups related to some of the topics that we cover in some of the podcasts, but you know, do I really need to be on Facebook or am I am I missing the boat? <laughs> there are people who ask me, you know, how, you know, should I do social media or should I do Facebook? Should I do Twitter? And when they ask, I'm like, no, don't. Like, if if you don't if you don't feel like you need to do it, then don't do it. For me, it's very much a honestly. If if I weren't already entrenched in Facebook as like the main way I can connect with only certain people, like family, I mean, not the only way. Obviously, I can call them, but. It's the easiest way for me to stay in touch with that big of a swath of people. That's cool, but those are not the same people that I talk to, uh, you know, on Twitter or or uh, other places. And so, it's very much, uh, you know, you need to know what it is you think you're going to get out of it. I mean, if if you're just going to go on Facebook to to post stuff and that's it, like I, I don't know that that's going to be an amazing experience for you. But, I mean, it's a bit narcissistic, honestly, just to go and feel like you've got to post things. But, um, yeah, I, I think, honestly, I mean, it depends on what you're wanting. Like, if you're wanting to network, there's, you know, there's, I guess, every network, every social network is good for networking. I was going to say there's LinkedIn, but the, it's that's good for more of a, an online Rolodex, really. I mean, I wouldn't say anybody's missing out uh, if they're not doing a certain social network because again if you're doing work instead of spending time there and you really weren't aiming to strategically get specific things out of using those networks then you're better off not Mm -hmm. and that's kind of how i look at it too like 
some people can do social networking good on you know a specific one or across them all, but some people in some businesses just doesn't work for. I mean, it's like as a freelancer, I'm not going to go buy a billboard on the highway because that's not going to work for my audience and the people I want to reach. But you know, for me, social media might work better. And I think you, you kind of have to try it, see how it works, and then make a decision about, yeah, this this isn't worth my time. There's more productive things I could be doing instead of being on here, kind of excluding the fact if you use it for like personal contact or that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Right. So so which uh, social networks do you use primarily to get the word out about your uh, projects? Primarily, it is Facebook and Twitter. Those are really just the two biggest ones really you know despite people saying that or google saying that google plus is biggest i just don't get as many people that you know whatever plus one or share my stuff there as as other places and so you know but facebook and twitter those are the easiest ones for me like i understand how to do them and i can even kind of do the same thing in both places but you know manually do it and and have it work to where it gets the most views or strategically scene and things like that so do you use any pro uh, you mentioned buffer app but do you use any other programs to uh post to those like uh, um, tweetbot or Hootsuite oh well yeah or- i uh on my phone i'm i'm an i i'm an apple person i'm not an i'm not an apple fanboy i wouldn't say that i just have felt a much better uh and had less issues with my computing since i went all apple so i and i've got a MacBook at home, a MacBook at work, and then we're all iPhone as far as phones go, and then I've got the iPad Air. And so I'm on iOS, on my my phone and my tablet, I'm using TweetBot. Actually, I use TweetBot on my Macs as well. I really like it. I just like the way it works and everything. But uh, let's see, I'm trying to think of what else. I use Buffer app, obviously. TweetBot for Twitter. Facebook, I just use their native apps on the mobile side of things. Because again, if you're posting via something else, unless you really can't, unless you don't have time to go and post manually and you have to automate it, you're better off posting manually because the edge rink and how it gets seen. I don't know if you know what that is, but I mean, it's basically the, the Facebook uh, newsfeed algorithm that you get knocked down points for automation during doing using certain things. I think Instagram is one of the ones that has the least amount of, you know, degrade in terms of viewability because it's owned by Facebook and so they want that to be something that people see. But uh yeah, like tweets that are going over to Facebook from Twitter itself, like it it's just automated. Like that's not going to be seen as much. So yeah, I mean I I use the web basically. <laughs> as far yeah, I try to use the the raw in terms of Facebook, I try to use it as raw as you can without filtering it through something so that it's the stuff I post gets seen the most, whether it's images or text or links or whatever. Twitter's a whole other story. You can you, auto, you can automate that to death, at least in terms of making sure promotion stuff goes out there. But I still try to set aside time to like just pop in and have certain lists where I check those. It's like, hey, don't miss. And so then certain people I'll never not see everything they do because I want to make sure I comment on their stuff or help them if they need it. So Awesome. So one last thing. You're, you're working for a university, and so um, generally you're trying to build a brand, 
around the university using social media. And uh, to some degree, I think we wind up doing that too, though it's usually around ourselves or if we're actually trying to build out a consultancy or you know, build a brand around a, a book or a podcast or something, we're trying to do that. Are there things that you do differently when you're trying to build uh, the brand for the university or the brand for beyond the to-do list as opposed to, you know, the brand for Eric J. Fisher? I think as a whole, it's easier for me to do myself because I can tweet about bacon and things like that. You know, I can have those things that are through and through my personality and I don't have to think twice about it. Uh, well, I do think twice about it. I think, you know, is this worth tweeting is, you know, you know, I think before I tweet, I don't tweet angry, things like that. And, um, in terms of the, the university's brand, that's something where to a certain extent, I am not the university myself. So it's needs to, not that it needs to get bogged down in red tape, but we, we talk about, you know, the voice of it and the, the different strategies behind that and how to, you know, craft tweets that are professional without being, um, dry or things like that. But then also be able to, because we tweet back and forth with students, how can we joke around with them, but not go like inappropriate or, or, you know, tweet something that's could be taken out of context and, and seems, you know, not in line with the voice of the university. So it's harder that way. It's, it's because it's not me, but it's easier to be me. All right. Should we get into the picks? Curtis, what are your picks? My picks are, first off, is vitamin R. If you're familiar with Pomodoro uh, technique, where you have uh, like a 25-minute time block and then a five-minute break, vitamin R uh, helps automate that, tracks your 25 minutes. It also integrates with OmniFocus as well. So if you finished a task in the 25 minutes, you can check it off right inside vitamin R, and it will go away. It also keeps track of uh, like how you feel. It asks you how you feel at the end, if you're focused or not, and walks you through a couple other steps. So you can look at like an overall week of your statistics on how you're doing and how you felt during your different tasks. The second thing is monoprice lightning cables for your iDevice, I guess. I grabbed two. They were only $14 a piece, and they're properly certified and everything, as opposed to like $30 they are from Apple. Interesting. All right. Reuben, what are your picks? Okay, well, um, I was listening to our, I don't know, sibling podcast, uh, for lack of a better term, Ruby Rogues, a few days ago. And uh, it was all about learning and education. And I decided, well, I was not there, but I'm going to provide picks for that topic anyway. <laughs> so um, given that I'm doing a PhD in education and all, I figured I might be able to offer some interesting things on that. So first of all, there's a great book from the um, National Academy of, I think it's Sciences, called How People Learn. And it's all the latest research on how people learn, what goes into good learning, uh, learning by yourself, learning in groups, all sorts of really, really interesting stuff. And it's written very, very well. It's, I mean, it's theoretically used by researchers for researchers, but really the writing is uh, very plain spoken. And there's a popular book that just came out, uh, which I'm just about done with, which is totally amazing, called The Smartest Kids in the World. And basically this reporter, Amanda Ripley, uh, found three American students who were going abroad for a year of school, one who's going to Finland, one who's going to South Korea, and one who's going to Poland. And she talks about what schooling is like there and what those countries, all of which score higher than the U.S. Uh, and many other countries, on an international test called the PISA. So she talks about what is this PISA test, what does it mean, what are these countries doing right, what are they doing wrong, and what can other countries learn from them. And I've just found it to be incredibly 
uh, satisfying and uh, insightful. And then two sort of slightly more academic texts, but I think they're interesting and accessible. One of them is called Cognitive Apprenticeship. And uh, this is a, a sort of groundbreaking paper that was written a number of years ago by actually someone in my program at Northwestern, Alan Collins, a few other people. And basically the idea is that if you want to learn something, work with someone else who knows it really well. By the way, pair programming strikes me as a, a really great sort of practical use of this in the programming world. And uh, it's actually a very, very sort of easy, well-written paper. Alan writes very well. And then finally, you might have heard, I know the, uh, the Rogues podcast talked about this a bit, so telling people that they're smart, telling kids that they're smart is not nearly as effective as telling that they've worked really hard and good for them. And uh, a lot of that work has been done by someone named Carol Dweck. And she came out with a book a few years ago called Mindset, where she really goes through that in uh, great detail. So if you're interested in how you learn, how other people learn, how to get your kids to learn, I definitely recommend uh, one or all of these. Awesome. Eric, what are your picks? All right. Well, my pick is a book by a cartoonist, so it's probably not as intelligent as all of his. <laughs> Basically, it came out a little bit ago. It's How to Fail at Almost Everything and Still Win Big, kind of the story of my life. It's by Scott Adams, who basically makes Dilbert. Uh, it's actually, I read it in a couple of days. It's a really good book. It's kind of productivity, you know, personal success, you know, don't screw up or stop screwing up as bad. It's really interesting, but the, the one of the reasons I liked it was there's like a lot of humor in it. So if you're, if you don't like a lot of the self-help books, like this one is actually pretty interesting. He go, kind of goes uh, in depth on a lot of stories and a lot of like really boneheaded mistakes he makes, but he actually pulls out, you know, some good lessons from each one. So it's a good read. It's really interesting. Um, it's on Amazon, looks like also on Audible and all that. So I'll put the link in the show notes. Awesome. All right. Jim, what are your picks? So usually I'm scrambling to come up with picks, but I actually had some prepared this time, which is amazing. I was productive. So I did a course called uh, Tiny Habits, which uh, came out of the 30 by 500 thing a couple months ago, uh, tinyhabits.com. And it just uh, helps you. It's a little email thing that helps you focus on figuring out what your triggers are to change your, your behaviors. And I had some success with it, but I also had this other app called Habit List, which is just something you have on your phone. And every day you do something, you just hit it and say that I've done it. My biggest problem, I, I never had a lot of success with that app. I'm actually going to give it another shot. I've had it for a while just sitting there. Um, my biggest problem was I would never like make the effort to use something long enough so that I would really understand whether or not it's working for me. So I feel like I really need to commit to like trying something for several weeks at a time and making sure I'm doing it on a regular basis and then stopping and reevaluating. There's that. And then totally unrelated, my wife and I have a couple of these humidifiers. They're called uh, Venta air washers. And they uh, basically help humidify your house, particularly that's, you know, when we have the heat on in the winter, it's it's good. But what it does is it blows the air down into the water, and so it actually collects dust as it does it. So sort of take dust out of the air and then add water to it. That's it. You know, that's why they put filters on furnaces, right? <laughs> exactly. All right. I've got a couple of picks. The first one is uh, I had been using my wife's credits on Audible, to uh, get books that I wanted to listen to, and I got in trouble. So uh, I went and signed up for my own Audible account. So my first pick is Audible. Um, my second pick is a book I've been listening to on Audible. It's called uh, Remote. It's by Jason Fried and David Heinemeyer Hansen. You, you might know them from uh, Rework 
37 Signals. David is the guy that wrote Ruby on Rails. Anyway, it's a terrific book, and it talks about how they run their company remotely. And uh, there are a lot of great tips in there as far as um, managing teams and keeping communication up and things like that. And I've actually got a team of subcontractors working for me right now. And so um, as I listened to it, there were some things in there that I definitely picked up and got excited about. So really, really enjoying the book. Um, It's only like three hours long, so you can go pick it up. And then, uh, Eric, what are your picks? I'm going to pick two books here. Actually, I'll do three. One is Paddle Your Own Canoe, One Man's Fundamental fundamentals for delicious living it's by nick offerman who if you know who that is he plays ron swanson parks and rec and if you're not watching that show then this is completely useless to you but it 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 is as if it's ron because so much of nick offerman is in the character of ron swanson reading this book is like reading a book by ron swanson so if you know what that would feel like this is what that would feel like. It's just, it's cool to read about, you know, it's, it's almost half satire, half comedy, half, that's more than one, that's more than two halves. But anyway, and then the other two that I'm talk that I'm uh, checking out right now is You Are Stronger Than You Think and Crush Your Procrastination, which are two books, ebooks that are just out by my friend Craig Jarrow, the Time Management Ninja from timemanagementninja.com. And those are both very awesome. They're collected works of some of his best posts uh, from the site. And so if you're not a fan of, if you've never, you know, read the, the posts in their original context of being a blog, having them themed and, and strung together in those two contexts of, you know, motivation as well as eliminating procrastination, those are really good things to pick up. I'm loving them. All right. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing and thanks for coming on the show. We really appreciate it, Eric. You're welcome. Hey, thanks so much. It was great to uh, talk with you guys. I even figured out a little bit of some of the stuff that I hadn't written down yet in terms of my workflow. So Awesome. You should write a book on it. Yeah, we'll have to do more of that. <laughs> so so if people want to uh, follow you or get your book or whatever, how, how, what's yeah. the best place to do that? Okay, well, uh, where I'm active is Facebook and Twitter.com. Either of those slash E R I K the letter J F I S H E R, and then the site the podcast is at beyondthetodolist.com, and the book is beyondthetodolist.com slash goals. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks again for coming. We'll wrap up the show. We'll catch you all next week.